0: Today, we're going to be talking about creative lighting with Jason Vinson on Behind the Shot. Hi, welcome to Behind the Shot. I'm Steve Brazzle. as always, with this show and every show that I do. The show notes are over at BehindTheShot.tv. If you want to follow me, it's stevebrazil.com. It's like the country Brazil, but two L's. I want to jump right into today's show because I've been working on this show for a while, and the shot that we picked, I, I'm that excited to get into it. First of all, I want to welcome to the show Arkansas-based wedding and documentary photographer Jason Vinson. Jason, how are you, man? Good. How's it going? It's good. I'm so glad that you're doing this. I really appreciate it because we were talking in the green room. I, I know how busy you are.
1: <laughs> it's been uh it's been a busy month for sure. Uh not normally this busy, but yeah. So, so to give people an idea, how many days out of this month are you home? Um, I think this month I've been home for maybe, maybe 10 days. And of those 10 days, I think I shot four weddings. Wow. While I was wow. Home. Okay. Well, business is good.
0: Hey, that's a good thing. I, I want to yeah, yeah, start. Can't complain. Before we get into this photo, which seriously, uh, I haven't had the chance to tell you what I think of this photo. It, it, I love this thing. But before we dive into that, I want to get to know you a little bit, especially for those that don't already know who you are, but I was reading through your bio and I got to start here because according to your bio, you are ranked ready for this. Okay. You are ranked the number one fearless photographer in North America, top three in the world and one of the top 100 of all time. Please explain that.
1: Yeah. So, um, and that's all based off of Fearless Photographers, which is a community of wedding photographers. Um, In my opinion, they've kind of really shaped what wedding photography is today, as far as, you know, creativity, documentary approach, um, and things like that. And so every, I don't know exactly how often they do this, but they have maybe four or five, six um, rounds of awards every year. And so, Uh, every member of this community submits, I think you can submit up to 12 photos. And so every round they get, I think like 11 to 15,000 images and every single image that people submit is obviously their best of the best. Right. Um, And so just based on the number of award of awards you receive in a year, you get ranked as, you know, number one, number two, or number three. Um, And so that's just kind of how I've, I've earned that. I love that designation. I'm sorry, but that would be on a plaque on my <laughs> wall. There's no question. Uh,
0: speaking of which, by the way, your awards list is kind of like a who's who in your field, right? Junebug Weddings. I DJed Weddings for 18 years. These are all names mm-hmm. I know. World's Best Wedding Photos, International Society of Pro Wedding Photographers, Masters of Wedding Photography. This has all led you to be an educator. So, WPPI, we just talked uh, earlier, you and I privately about portrait master range yep. finder, PPA F stoppers. You don't seem the age that your credentials would seem to indicate that you are like, <laughs> well, thanks. seriously at, at a very, maybe <laughs> well, but at a very young age, you've accomplished a great deal. I'm, I'm really actually
1: curious. Where do you in your mind go from here? Um, that's a good question. Um, and I never actually entered into wedding photography wanting to like get to where I am now. I've just never, I've never really had a huge plan. I'm a very fly by the seat of my pants kind of person. And so whenever I see an opportunity or see something that I want to do, I just try and make that happen. And that's just kind of led me to where I am now. Um, and so, yeah, I think, like five to 10 year goal is I'll probably actually stop doing as many weddings. Uh, I want to start getting into something more like, you know, senior photos and things like that, just to kind of keep me home a little bit more, keep my weekends free. Got three right. kids. So, uh, trying to keep my weekends a little bit more free. You have for three them.
0: kids. How old are your kids?
1: Yeah. So, uh, let's see. Our son is getting ready to turn five. Our daughter is two and a half. And then we have, um, a new daughter that's 11 weeks old now. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. You're, he's, you're he's at fresh. that special <laughs> time. I was a stay-at-home dad.
0: So you're a, you're at a very special time, man. That's awesome. Yep. I want to touch on something that kind of relates to today's shot. Because I, I introed this. I mean, we're going to go all over the place, I'm sure. But I kind of introed this, like I do all my shows, based on something that I see in that shot. And I title them before I talk to you because I, I find that fun for me in a way. Yep. Your, your lighting. You are a Stella Pro ambassador. Stella Pro is the Stella Pro line of lights from the company Light and Motion, who I, I have met twice. I met them at WPPI, and then I met them again at NAB in Vegas, both in Vegas, actually. And super, super nice people. And I got to play with these lights a little there. I've never used them myself. They look amazing. And by the way, folks, if you're interested, it's Stella Pro Lights on social media. So, you know, at Stella Pro Lights or StellaProLights.com. You can also go to the Light and Motion site and find Stella Pro link at the top. But as you're working with lighting and the Stella Pro or whatever you know lighting you happen to be using at the time, even if it's natural light, like I look through your portfolio and you seem to see light differently I think than a lot of pro wedding photographers. Like you see light and composition as one thing together. Like it's, it's 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 a a structural element of the photos that you make. So I'm curious from your side what is the key to seeing the light in a scene whether it be artificial or natural.
1: Yeah, so for me it's always about you know, composition is kind of the the guide to light, um, and so I'm always looking for clean compositions. Um, and so, if I see a clean composition, and then there's good light in that situation, then I'll use natural light, and that happens quite a bit. Or maybe the light is really interesting, and I can figure out a decent composition to use that natural light. And then there's situations where I see a good composition, and the light's not super interesting. And those are the situations where I bring light in for myself. The key with my lighting is that, you know, I don't use soft boxes or anything like that. So everything is hard light on a wedding. I don't use soft boxes at all on a wedding day. Uh, okay. um, and so. I apologize.
0: I need to interrupt you. Can you explain yeah. that a little bit more? Dive into that. Why? Why? I mean, it's just a tool. Why do yeah. you choose the hard light? Is it just how you see it? Is it just your preference?
1: Um, It's partially become my preference and it was just out of the fact I just don't like carrying around big giant soft boxes and messing with them on a wedding day and for me like soft light is very beautiful light but it's also generally pretty boring when it comes to lighting Um, and if I want to use soft light then I can always find like open shade or I could put them in a doorway or there's all kinds of different ways where I could find soft light on a wedding day I could use my my lights to bounce light off of a wall and create my own soft light. And so for me, I never found the need to carry a softbox around. And so that's, that's kind okay. of just been my preference.
0: And it's interesting because I'm looking, I've got a friend who's a wedding photographer, Troy Miller at Imagery Concepts, a good friend of mine. And he's kind of the same way. I've gone out and done shoots with him for bands where he's, you know, helped me. And he's the same way. His mind always thinks just bare bare flash, but he will utilize that bare flash in a way to create what he needs with whatever he has around him. But again, I'm, I want to go back to one thing though. You seem to use light as a physical part of the scene, right? I don't want to yeah. use the word prop here. Prop would be the wrong word, but it is an integral part of, again, I don't even want to say st- the story that you're telling, although it is, but it's an integral part of the way you are assembling the scene. How, how does that come to you? I mean, when you're looking, you said composition is key to you in deciding on your lighting, but when you're, when you're looking at that composition without flash or whatever, it might be constant light, whatever, how do you, how do you see that or assemble that
1: in your brain? So I started this thing, um, and it's actually, uh, was, kind of like the topic for my, my presentation that I gave at Portrait Masters. But I started this thing when I first started to learn flash. Um, because for me, the hardest part was like figuring out where to put the light, like the angle um, and all that fun stuff. And so I started doing this thing where whenever I would go around my everyday life, I would look for interesting light that was happening, whether it be like, the hard light coming through a window or, you know, the light shining through some trees or bouncing off a window or all, all these different scenarios. And I would figure out what it was that was making that light interesting, how it was, where it was coming from. Um, and then I would figure out how would I reproduce that myself if that light was no longer there. And so then that kind of gave me these tools to where now, you know, I, if there's not this cool, interesting light coming through a window, I, now I just put my flash outside and shine it through the window right? Or maybe it was the color of the light that I found interesting. So now I can put a CTO gel on my flash.
0: Okay. Um, and so
1: there's all these different, you know, little things that you'll see throughout the day that if you notice these little patterns of light, you build up this toolbox. And so now when I see an interesting composition and the light's not interesting, I could look around the room and all I, all I see is tools that I can use to shape and form my light in order to create something interesting without having to carry a ton of tools with me. You just basically said that you reverse
0: engineered nature. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> yeah, I kind of dig that. All right. So, real quick before we get into today's photo, as always, mentioned it at the beginning of the show, the show notes for today are always available at the website, which is behindtheshot.tv. The show is a podcast, first and foremost. If you're watching on YouTube, it's obviously there too. But if you are into podcasts, whatever your podcast catcher app is, If you search for Behind the Shot, you're actually going to find two of them. Hopefully not more than that. But you'll find an audio-only version for those of you that want to listen to the audio-only. And if your app supports video, not all of them do. Uh, I use an app called RSS Radio. That one does. Apple Podcasts does. Uh, There is a podcast feed available for the video if you prefer if your app of choice for podcast does not support video head on over to youtube and uh, you can find the video there just go look through the channel and and you'll find all the past episodes and everything as well and of course while you're there if you head down below the like and subscribe button you'll find all the show notes or at least most of the show notes there is a limit of text on youtube but the links and everything that you need are on youtube as well but i write an actual blog post for each episode and those you'll find on the uh, on the normal website. And that brings us into today's image. And before I bring this shot up, actually, I I wanna ask you, is there a name for this image? No. Okay. The reason I ask is a lot of times I will, if there is no name given to me, I'll in my head try and come up with a name for the image. And for this one, I got nothing, like nothing. (laughs) Because when I'm looking through your site, this is exactly what I'm talking about, man. This is that photo that made me stop. It made me look and stay on it for a while and absorb it and dissect it and understand it and and understand the the couple that's in the shot. This is everything that I want in a couple shot, like literally everything that I want. And there's so many ways that I could go if I were to name the shot. Let's start with the technical stuff because people like that. Yeah. The EXIF data that I've gotten, correct me if I'm wrong on any of this. The EXIF data that I've got says that it was manual exposure ISO 125. So you're using a lot of light here, but then you drop the shutter to one 13th of a second to get those nice streaks, which means I'm guessing you had them, you know, hold for quite a while. You shot this at F 1.6. So you're living on the edge of life that I don't go to. This is the fearless <laughs> photographer thing. <laughs> 35 millimeters. You're a Sony shooter. This was an A9 with a Zeiss 35 1.4 lens. All sound about right?
1: Yep, that's that's good. Okay. I got questions.
0: Oh, and by the way, uh, you had your white balance set to daylight. So let's start there. Okay. Do you normally, when you are shooting light constant or flash, which may be daylight balanced, do you always manually set your white balance?
1: No, I honestly have no idea when my white balance was set to daylight. It's almost always set to um, just auto white balance and I correct in post. Okay, all right. Yeah, because you're shooting raw, obviously. Yeah.
0: So explain to me, you've got light here. You've got plenty of light here, right? You got that ISO down to 125. The 113th, was that just so that you could see the rain streaks? Yeah. But one point six. Shooting at F1.6 at 35 millimeters like this, I mean, you're wide enough that your depth of field is deeper than it sounds, but yep. still you've got a couple with him. I'll explain the, for those of you on the audio feed, I'll describe the shot here in just a second. But but you've got a guy that's dipping her down to kiss her. And 1.6 to me is super narrow, even at 35 millimeters. What's, what's your reasoning for that choice?
1: Um, you know, it's kind of a, I'm, I'm playing a, a, a balancing act here because I want a slow shutter speed and I'm hand holding this, so I'm not using a tripod. So I need a hit, oh, okay. I need a slow shutter speed that's slow enough that I can hand hold, but I also need to let in enough light that you can, uh, you can actually see the couple and stuff like that. Um, and so, I mean, I, and then I also am, uh, trying to maximize my dynamic range because this is actually. The second shot. So, um, I can get into this in a second. This isn't the primary shot that I was going for. Um, really? and so, yeah. And so this is the second shot. And so in order to get this, I needed to be able to maximize my dynamic range a little bit more as well. And so I wanted to shoot at as low of an ISO as I could.
0: Okay. In a second, when we, when we get to this shot deeper on your end, mm-hmm. remember to cover what the first shot was cuz I'm curious about that yep. but for those of you yep. that are on for those of you that are on the audio feed cuz a lot of people about 50% of the audience and I have people tell me this all the time they drive down the road they listen to the podcast and they don't look at the shot until after they've listened others look at it first and then drive and listen to the show so for those of you on the audio feed let me explain this this image to you I want you to picture a nighttime scene picture a couple they're on the left rule of thirds Right. So you've got a scene. I should probably paint the scene first. You've got a scene. It looks like a concrete walkway, driveway, something like that, with some dark mountains in the background. And then a sky, kind of a dusk like sky, hard to describe. But it's not, again, this feels like a nighttime scene. Left rule of thirds is this couple. He is on the inside of that left rule of thirds. She's on the outside. So she's on the left facing to the right, and he's on the right facing to the left. He is dipping her back. Think, you know, like, like dancing, right? And he's dipping her down to kiss her. And he's actually kissing her. But there are little intricate details in this that make me go, wow, beyond what I've already described. His left arm is lifting up her right leg as though you know she's a dancer and they're doing a dance move but it's not he's bending her back and he's kissing her however speaking of dance move and by the way his hand is like under her knee her foot her right foot the leg that he's lifting is curled like she's a dancer which i i love because it adds a great just like dancing right it adds this grace it adds this um uh softness to the image her right arm is just hanging down seemingly limp, except again, it's this little detail, which don't tell me yet, but I'm assuming it had to be posed. Her hand is cupped beautifully. It's not, you know, like if you just let your hand hang there dead, your fingers separate, it doesn't look good, it's not attractive. This is, this is more um, falling into the moment than it is being limp, if that makes any sense at all. They are lit from the front beautifully with a natural daylight colored looking, you know, 5,500 Kelvin type light. But there is also a white light coming from behind them, putting a halo around them, their heads, their arms, they're haloed from behind. And here's where it kicks in there is a hard, heavy rain. It's moving like it's windy, it's falling at about a 10 degree angle. From left camera left to camera right, just beautiful. And there are multiple colors in that rain. So, against that mountain backdrop, it's like a bluish type color. And then against the sky, slightly different color there. And just, yeah, it's like a, almost like a pink against the sky. Gorgeous. And by the way, the way the light falls on the ground matters because the backlight lights up the ground behind them, giving them a stage behind them, but the ground in front of them is completely shadowed, which tells me that that front light must be, I'm guessing, upper camera left. There's some way you're controlling that off the ground, but again, this is just a wonderful execution here. Did I miss anything? Uh,
1: You're wrong in the lighting setup, but...
0: Oh, Okay, good.
1: (laughs) I like that. All right.
0: So, um, you use, let we'll, we'll get into this and I want to get into the lighting and I want to talk about that second shot, but first I want to start with that rain because I see liquid rain bottles of water, whatever,
1: a lot in your imagery. Do you realize you do that? And if so, why? Um, it's more just embracing the weather. So, uh, You know, when it rains on your wedding day, uh, it doesn't necessarily need to be a bad thing. And it can give you imagery that no one else has the opportunity to get. And almost every time it rains, our couples are more than willing to go out into the rain and take take advantage of that. Um, And so, yeah, just anytime it rains on a wedding day, we try and take advantage of it. So tell me about this shot. Tell me about, we'll get
0: into lighting here in just a second, but the general making of this shot, the first shot, second shot thing. Tell tell me Mm -hmm. the story of this.
1: So, this is actually um, the daughter of the bride. So, I had taken a photo of the bride and the groom, and this is actually um, her real small wedding. It's in, uh, that was just literally in the living room of their house. Um, and so, they're standing in the middle of their street. So, this is the middle of a neighborhood, actually.
0: Um, whoa, 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 just whoa, whoa. Standing in
1: the middle of the street. Okay.
0: You managed to the, the see here.
1: I could have sworn they were in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, no, this is the middle of a neighborhood. The mountains you wow. see, that's the top of a house.
0: Oh, okay. Keep going.
1: You're killing me. <laughs> um, and so I had created a photo of the bride and the groom, and they lo- I showed it to them, and they loved it. And so I would they showed their daughter, and they're like, oh, well, you take one of our daughter and her. I don't know if it's a boyfriend or a husband. I think it might be her husband. So it's like, okay, yeah, let's. Let's do that, but let's try and do something different. I'm very big on creating. I don't like to reproduce the images that I take. Um, and even if I have to reproduce them, I want to try and put some type of spin on them to make them just a little bit slightly different. Um, and so I explain that to them as we're walking out because I don't want them to have this uh, expectation that they're going to get exactly what their, um, what, her par- what her parents got. So that the, the idea for the dip was actually their idea. Um, and so I explained kind of like the, the angle that I needed it to be. Cause a lot of people, when they dip, they'll dip like towards the camera so I can see the tops of their heads and things like ah. that. So I just need to explain like the direction of the dip. But as far as the dip itself, it's unposed. I didn't like tell her how to hold her hand or hold her foot or anything really? like that. That's just the natural way that they fell into this. Wow. And I should have mentioned, she's got a ponytail that matches her arm
0: didn't even notice. (laughs) Yeah. Just, so they did this naturally. Okay. So keep going. What else you got?
1: Yeah. And so then, so the, the, there's actually two lights behind them. One is a constant light. It's the Stella, uh, the Stella pro reflex S. And then I have a flashpoint AD 200. And so the very first shot is actually where I am dragging the shutter so that you can see the movement of the rain. And at the very end, it the flash pops and freezes the rain so you can kind of see the motion of the rain and then it freezes um but then i'll constantly do this thing when i'm using flash is i will click the shutter too fast on purpose to where the flash can't recycle and then that gives me an ambient light or in this situation just the um constant light um so that way i can get two different shots without having to like turn off my trigger or redo this redo the scene over and over all i have to do is just like the shutter too fast that the flash can't keep up. And so that's what this is. This is the secondary shot where the flash didn't fire. Oh, okay. So this really is just one backlight in this shot. In this light, it's just a single backlight. There's no front light. The front light that you're, that they're getting on their faces is light that's bouncing off of them. So that light wraps around them and it bounces all around in between them. And then also just whatever's fill from the ambient exposure. Oh, wow. And then a little bit of, you know, a little bit of dodging and burning and stuff like that as well. So
0: what did, what did the shot where the flash fired look like?
1: Um, Very similar, but you can like the, the little pieces of light, like the little pieces of rain just pop and they glow like little light bulbs, like stars in the sky. But you didn't even have a front light then. No.
0: And. Okay, so you knew that that would wrap around enough to light them up enough because they're beautifully lit from the front.
1: Yeah, I also, and then also I'm at ISO 100 or 125. It was, that was just a, um, a slip of the thumb. I usually try and do these kinds of portraits at ISO 100 because then I okay. have a ton of dynamic range that I can pull out. Okay,
0: wow, 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 wow. First of all, the fact that they pose this way naturally blows my mind. I love the idea of the double shot, you know, shoot one, get the flash, shoot before it recycles, get one without the flash. It gives you, it gives you options, right? Mm -hmm. Not only that, but if you needed to, you could layer these in Photoshop. If you got something in the sky or the rain that you liked in one, but not the other. And it gives you editing options as you go. But the light here isn't just, you know, helping to create the scene that we see right? It's not just lighting up the scene that we see. The rain is a piece of the scene, right? Mm-hmm. And with the with the constant light, so, so you mixed here a flash and a constant light, at least by intention, right? This is only yes. the constant in the shot. When you're mixing constant light with flash, constant light's nice because you can see what you're going to get. I mean, to yep. an extent. Like that's actually one of my difficulties with constant light is what I see with my eye has more dynamic range in it than that camera is going to capture. And so I still have to kind of imagine what's going to happen in shadows and stuff like that, but you're mixing constant and flash. What's the difficulty there with understanding how that flash is going to intermingle? Are you taking test shots? Do you see it in your head?
1: Um, I see it in my head and then I'll, I'll take a couple test shots just to make sure that things are lined up. In this situation, the um, the constant light and the flash are literally like stacked on top of each other. They're on the exact same axis. Um, and so what I see with the constant light, I can basically treat that as like a modeling light for the flash because they're, they're essentially in line with each other. Okay, that makes sense. So that, that Stella Pro.
0: Yeah. It does constant light, and you're using it that mm-hmm. way here. Yep. But they have something they explained to me when I met them at, I think it was both WPPI and NAB, something called a Digital Burst. Yeah. Do you use that?
1: Yeah. And so in this situation, I just had one of my re- I have four reflexes, um, but I only brought one to this wedding because was just a small little elopement type thing. Um, and so that's why I had to use the flash. So in theory, I could have used a Stella Pro Reflex S in constant mode and then had one in burst mode for the for that pop of flash. Explain explain the digital burst because it's
0: not so a flash burst. per se,
1: right? Right. Essentially what they're doing is they are just really quickly turning the LED on and then turning it off. Um, But the way that they're doing it is because it's an LED, there's no recycle times. And so you can actually shoot a reflex S um, at 20 frames per second. I've actually shot it at faster on my Sony A1 because it can do faster than 20 frames per second Um, and it will never misfire. It'll hit every single frame. Uh, there's no overheating. There's no recycle times, uh, and so it's a, a wonderful tool to have if you need if you need flash, but you also need it quickly. And because it's because it's bursting instead of being constantly on, they're actually able able to overpower the LED for that split second, and so you can get more power out of the digital burst than you can when it's turned on in constant mode. Oh, if you're in, if you're in constant mode and that's turned all the way up, and you need just a little bit more power, you can go to burst mode, and you'll get an extra stop.
0: Okay, will that will that light over? Will one of those overpower daylight?
1: Uh, if it's close to your subject and you're using one of their optical lenses, they're not as powerful as a flash, just because of the nature of LEDs. And they're right. actually really small. They're this, they're I mean, they're smaller than this water bottle, as far as yeah, I've, I've held them. They're tiny with the battery. They're they're not, they're really nice, um, but they, they won't overpower the sun in terms of um, like they're not going to overpower a flash. Okay. but you just, right. you get you get more versatility out of them. So let's jump into your depth of field choice. At the, at the 35 millimeters, 1.6 is narrow. The low aperture is because as I'm shooting the flash, I want all of those little balls of light from the rain to essentially be little balls of bokeh instead of being like sharp little bits of rain.
0: But a lot of people, myself included, we get nervous shooting at 1.8, 1.6. Is there, is there a trick that you use to shooting that wide open and mm-hmm. hitting success?
1: Uh, yeah, I shoot on a Sony. <laughs> oh, well played. Well played. Yeah. I mean, right. the... The, the autofocus tracking on my A9, um, and then I, I've used an A1 a handful of times. Like the autofocus tracking on those cameras is just, I, I, I'll i shoot 1.4 all day, every day. I never miss focus.
0: Really? Okay. Good to yeah. know. So let's talk composition here. Because okay. like you said earlier, you see you see composition first and then kind of wrap the light around that compositional story. So you've got mm-hmm. the couple on the left. You've got darkness on the right. You can see the sky. You can see the hills. And now we know the neighborhood, right? Mm -hmm. The angle of rain, the couple. So as you're looking through, take me back to this moment. When you're standing in the street, you don't want it to look like you're, you know, standing in the middle of a street. You want to create this, this mood, which again, I would have never guessed this was a street. I see it now, but Wow. So as you're standing there, photographing the bride and groom first, and then this the, this couple with the daughter, what is in your mind comp- compositionally during the creation, as opposed to later cropping and post?
1: Um, in this situation, there's not really much in terms of composition. Like there's no like lines and power lines and you know houses and stuff that I really have to deal with except for the houses that are in the background. And so I'm shooting at a lower angle just to minimize any sort of houses that are back there. I'm trying to get as much sky as I can. And then other than that, I'm just trying to minimize any sort of like street lamps or porch lights or anything like that in the background. Um, In the original image, there's, I think, maybe a street, like a, um, a house light or something that's in the frame that I had to clone out. Uh, but other than that, I'm just trying to ma- minimize any sort of distractions to where it's basically just like darkness and sky.
0: And I should have mentioned when I described them. it that that mm-hmm. that angle of attack is key here, by the way, you're I'm guessing camera height is around knee or hip height. And so you're shooting uh, up on them, putting them against the sky so that that darker bottom part of the frame doesn't intersect the top part of the torso. Even it intersects absolutely. the lower part of their body and does not interrupt that
1: kiss. Yep. Are you kneeling, laying down? What are you doing? Um, I have a behind the scenes video of this. I'm pretty sure I'm just like squatted down with the camera, like almost touching the ground. Okay. So not quite touching the ground, but. You, you mentioned you removed a light pole. So let's talk, uh, it, not a pole, just the, um, just like the little hot spot of light. Like you could just see like the little glowing light bulb type thing. Okay.
0: What is yeah. your normal post-processing workflow? So you get home from a wedding, mm-hmm. walk me through
1: your workflow to final image. Um, like for an entire wedding or just like a specific image, a, a specific image.
0: I mean, I'm assuming so you you, you ingest, are you a, a Lightroom user, photo mechanic, what? Capture one. Capture one. Okay. So you ingest. Yep. What happens from there?
1: Um, call. I do an initial call for basically the bulk of the gallery. So basically every image that's going to get delivered to the client. Um, and then I edit all of those images. And then I do a secondary call where I am calling for the best of the best images. Uh, And then those images will get a little bit more attention in terms of local adjustments um, and things like that. And it's rare that I need to go into Photoshop. Basically, everything that I do is either in camera or with local adjustments inside of Capture One. Like the only time I'll go into Photoshop is if I need to like in this situation. And I don't even think I needed to go into Photoshop, but just like if I need to clone something out, which is rare, I'll, I'll shoot an entire wedding and never go into Photoshop. So you mentioned
0: something interesting on your culling process. And that is that you do a first call for the gallery and they get edited, mm-hmm. you know, general edit. Then yep. after that edit, you pick the best of those and you then go and process those more. So when you're culling, are you using color tags? Are you using star ratings? How many Eight passes stars. do you through to get those?
1: Um, I just do a single pass for the full gallery and then another pass for the, uh, for the selects or, and the selects are going into like a slideshow. So it's basically like a slideshow call. And then all the images that are in the slideshow get more attention. Um, and then, and then I'll actually, after everything's done, I'll do a third call where I'm calling for the album. And, and did
0: you say star rating or color tags or
1: a uh, star? Star ratings. Okay, so as you're going
0: through, okay, I got to ask then. If you're only doing one pass, do you just give them one star, or do you go beyond
1: that? Yeah, everything everything just gets a star, and then when I go through for the um, for the selects, I'll just go to five stars, and then I do my slideshow in Lightroom. So I'll just out once I export everything from Capture One, I'll import it into Lightroom to build the slideshow, and I'll just do a quick call within Lightroom for the album as well. Interesting. Okay, so it's not dissimilar for me, except I make multiple passes.
0: So instead of one star, I'll start with one, do a second pass, two, second pass, or third pass, get to three stars. That's my rough call that I'll probably edit most of those. And then as I'm going through those, some drop out, some move up, and four stars mm-hmm. go to clients, five stars are my personal portfolio stuff. So not totally dissimilar there. For yeah. an image like this, mm-hmm in capture one or Lightroom after the fact or Photoshop for that matter, what
1: would you have done to this image? Um, so there is just my general preset that's applied that gets applied to everything. Um, and then just some dodging and burning. So I probably darkened the ground just a little bit, um, maybe darkened the edges a little bit. And then I maybe brought up the contrast with within the streaks of rain. And then I probably dodged up, um, their like faces and bodies a little bit.
0: Did you, because of where that light is right dead center behind them, Mm -hmm. when, when you were burning, did you create that vignette effect or was that kind of mostly natural in camera?
1: That's just the natural effect that the lens has on the Stella because it, they have lenses that will dictate the beam angle. So they have like a spot, a medium, a wide and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. And so depending on which lens you put on it, that's how much spread you'll have in the light, and so that's just the natural, um, the natural vignette from that angle of light. It adds so much to drawing your eye to this couple. Yeah, I mean, just and if amazing. You, if you go to the, if you show the, if you were to show the other one, you would see the the flash had a lot more spread, and so it makes like the little dots of light cover the, like the entirety of the frame almost. And then dodging, you know, quote unquote, or in this case, burning
0: the ground. Again, mm-hmm. it, it brings the viewer, the ground is there. They're not too close to the bottom, but because it's darker from where they're standing and behind them, it draws your eyes, uh, dr- uh, draws your eye up. It really, honestly, th- the focus on the subject here done with the lighting is spot on. And then the story of the rain and the multiple colors, where the colors come from
1: in the rain. Um, it's just from the mix of the constant light. And then there's like street lamps, street lights that are on and stuff like that. So I think there's a street light, like just to the left of them. And so you're just getting a little bleed of ambient light. Wow, dude. Sometimes in situations where I do have that, like that bleed of color, um, I will dramatize that in post by dragging like a gradient and just adjusting the white balance a little bit more warm and stuff like that. I didn't do it here, but if you see some of my other images, Um, they're like where there's like a, like a cool gradient of color or something like that. Right, It's it's like a natural gradient that was there. And I just kind of make it go a little bit further just to kind of kick it up a notch. Interesting. So there's one thing I can't tell here that I, I,
0: I'm, I'm not clear on. She doesn't, and he does not look like they're wet from the rain, but they're standing in the rain, right? They are wet.
1: Yeah. It's, it's not like a downpour of rain. This is like a light drizzle of rain. It just looks like it's pouring because of the one second shutter speed. Yeah.
0: So, well so there's just,
1: and the, and the lights far enough back that you're seeing the layers of rain to make it look like there's a lot more rain than there actually is. Speaking of which, how far is that light back? Uh, It's probably about six to eight feet behind them. And it's about hip height. Um, from, from your angle, it's behind their hips. Yeah. Right at their torsos. Yep.
0: Okay. Yeah. Just so well done. So let's shift gears here. I'm going to do a speed round with you. Uh Uh-oh. For these questions, answer them any way you want, as fast as you want. And the truth is I call it a speed round, but if you want to go on, I don't care. You can talk as long as you want. I love this. (laughs) So number one, your favorite wedding or couple photography tip. Oh,
1: man. Um, Don't bring your uh, preconceived notions of what their wedding should look like. Shoot it as it is and not what you think it should be. So, um, I mean, you go into a wedding and you think that, you know, there should be like the ceremony and, you know, the first look should look like this. And they have certain ideas like some of my most favorite images have come from Things that I didn't have planned, or that the couple asked for, or you know something went wrong, and I had to fly by the seat of my pants and figure something out. Um, And so that's actually one of the reasons why I don't location scout when I go to weddings, or if I go do a shoot, or if I do a destination wedding. um, I prefer to just show up on the day and go with what what's given to me. I had the um, when I first started, I would run into situations where I would location scout and I would get an idea for a portrait, and I would spend by the time portrait time came, I would spend so much time trying to get this idea that I had to work um, that would have worked when I first saw the location or first saw the situation, but something had changed and it just wasn't going to work. Whereas if I had shown up in that moment, it never even would have crossed my mind to, to use that. Um, and so I just work a lot better. It might not be how some people work, but for me, uh, I love to just see what I see and that's where we're going to go. See, I like that. That's actually one of the better tips I've heard. and
0: really what you described, like I introduced you as a wedding and documentary photographer and that really is that documentary mind frame of you're capturing the event. You're not creating the event, which I like. What is yeah. the, what is the biggest mistake that you almost made or did make with regard to photography?
1: Um, with regards job, whatever. To, I mean, with regards to being a wedding photographer and it being like a full-time job, I spent too much time in the craft and not enough time in the business. So, and I know a lot of people that have run into that same situation, like you want to be the best photographer that you can, but you can't negate the fact that you have to run a business and you have to know how to market and do SEO and have a good website and how to do social media and all that fun stuff. Yeah. And it's funny because I just did a show two, three episodes before
0: this where I went to a bunch of friends of mine in the industry and asked them all one question, what's the best photo advice you've ever been given? And a lot of them were technical answers and a lot of them were, you know, ethereal mental approach answers. But a lot of people, I think it was Bergman did it, Vanessa Joy did it, and a couple other ones, they were business answers. They were exactly what you just said and they related to you gotta actually be a business person or it does you absolutely no good.
1: Yeah. What is your favorite composition rule if you have one? Uh to learn the compositional rules so that you know when to break them.
0: Okay? Favorite so my fa- my
1: favorite comp Uh Oh no, go back. Drink. Favorite
0: co- go go,
1: oh. go. Uh I was just going to say like some of my favorite images don't don't align with certain compositional rules. I'll constantly put people like in the top right corner as long as that's where your eyes going to go. So I guess the my favorite compositional rule would be to make sure that the viewer is going to be drawn to where the subject is, no matter what's in the rest of the frame. I got to dive deeper on that one. If yeah. you were,
0: hypothetically, to place a couple in the upper right corner of a scene,
1: mm-hmm. what would make you make that choice in your brain? For that scene? Um, removing, distracting elements in the frame. Um, so if in order to have them where they are at, I needed to put them up there in order to remove a whole bunch of distractions that are above them or to the right of them. And there's a bunch of clean stuff down in the bottom. Um, or if there's like something super bright in the top corner and I need to get them get that out of frame. And now all of a sudden they're the brightest thing in the frame. It doesn't matter where they're at. If they're the brightest thing in the frame, they're in focus and or they have the most contrast. Your eyes is going to instantly go to them no matter if they're on the rule of thirds or on some weird spiral thing. Okay. Weird spiral thing. I love it. Uh, Favorite (laughs) drink. It's the new, it's the
0: new term with a weird spiral thing.
1: Yeah. Right. Weird spiral thing composition. Uh, Favorite drink. uh, If I'm drinking alcohol, I love IPA. Um, And then, yeah, I'd say a good IPA. Favorite band, singer, or album? Ooh, that's a tough one because I go back and forth all the time. Um, I'm really into a band that's called Loveless right now. They're kind of, um, like punk alternative style right now. And then I go back and forth between that kind of brand, that kind and like screamo, and then I'll listen to hip hop. So what's your favorite album of all time?
0: Favorite album of all time. Um, or, or let's change that instead of favorite album. If you could go to any concert ever in history, including today or not today, Mm -hmm. What band would you love to see live?
1: Oh, man. Um, I would love to see. I'd love to see Blink-182 like in their prime.
0: Yeah, me too. I actually was able to photograph Blink-182. I've photographed them once, but it was not in their prime. But I've also photographed Angels and Airwaves. So that kind of made up for it. Okay. Any photographer. This is the last question. Okay. Is is there any photographer out there that you follow, whose work you admire, that you think more people
1: should know about and follow? Oh, um, yes. And I'm blanking on his name. Give me five seconds and I'll pull no it up. No problem.
0: While you're doing that, let me just remind everybody all the links for today a blog post that I wrote. All of that type stuff is over at the website. It's behindtheshot.tv, all of Jason's links, et cetera. And if you're watching on YouTube, they're down below the like and subscribe button. It looks like you
1: got it. I did. Uh, Phil Sharp is one of my favorite portrait photographers right now. He does a lot of like studio-based stuff. He's based out of the UK, I believe. Um, But yeah, I just, I love his work right now. Okay, Phil
0: Sharp. And do you know his Instagram or anything? I'll look it up and find it.
1: On Instagram, it's Phil Sharp, P H I L S H A R P. Okay, perfect,
0: perfect. And if people want to find you, where do people go? Where? What's your website? Where are you on Instagram? Any video outlet? I know you've got a Patreon. Yeah. Where, where can people find you?
1: Yeah, so I have, so just the website's VincentImages.com, V I N S O N. And then on Instagram, you can find me, it's V I N S O N images underscore Jason. Um, and that's basically my handle on uh, all other social media outlets. Um, and then I do have a Patreon account where I walk through like image deconstructions, uh, lighting setups, um, some business stuff as well. Um, and you can find that on Patreon uh, with Vincent Images underscore Jason as well. All right. Perfect. Jason, thank you so much for doing this.
0: I really, really appreciate it. And again, love that shot. And I, I highly recommend people go to Jason's website because as you look through his portfolio, I think you'll find the same thing I did. Your use of your use of light as more than just illumination, as more than just accentuate a piece of the story, is to make that light a part of the scene. And I find that, it's weird that I find that refreshing. Like, I don't see it that way a lot. You do it differently. And I appreciate it.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, and yeah, the pleasure was mine. Thanks for having me on.
0: Uh, believe me, the pleasure was all mine. And thank you again to Jason Vinson. Of course, again, you can find me at stevebrazil.com like the country of Brazil, but two Ls. The website for uh, the podcast is behindtheshot.tv. If you want to follow me on social media, I've kind of abandoned Facebook. It's still there, Steve Brazel Photography or Behind the Shot TV. But mostly I'm on either Twitter or Instagram. Vero I'm on as well now. And those are always at Steve Brazel or at Behind the Shot TV. Thanks again for watching. Make sure you join us next time as we try and get inside the mind of a great photographer by taking a closer look behind the shot.